Welcome to the Standard of Truth podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont and Professor Richard LaDuke explore the early history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the life and teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith. They examine the original historical sources and provide context for events of the past. They approach the history of the Church with faith, expertise, and humor. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Standard of Truth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont, and I'm joined by my friend, Professor Richard LaDuke. Hello, Garrett. Uh, in this episode, we're going to dive back into part two of Apostles and Apostates. We are not. We are not. You know, I think we just put that up as a trial balloon, and what we found was that everyone just, you know, they they wanted to only talk about apostates, and we wanted to do both. Well, so one of the problems is actually, um, it's your fault, actually, listener, oh. because what happens is we get we get a lot of emails, and in the emails, we get really good questions. That The emails are far, far more interesting and funny than anything we have ever done or said, and so we want to share those, those emails and, and kind of get into some of that stuff, and so... We have, you know, I've used the reference before, Travis Tritt, the best of intentions, but ultimately, um, we're just never going to get back to it. Right. So what we, we need our listeners to do is to just assume that whenever we say we're going to talk about anything, that we aren't. So here's a perfect entry into the Phoebe Draper uh, mailbag. Um, We've gone away from our... our Pierre, our, uh, I f- forget his... Uh, De D- D- Silva? De Silva. Yeah. Yes, Pierre De Silva. But that wasn't who he was. He was saying was some Finley, some some Englishman. <laughs> right, right. But uh we we uh we referenced the Frenchman that uh, was was several several years before. But um so not answering questions this leads to an email uh a follow-up. The subject is thank you. And you know what? Anthony, you're welcome. How about that? Yeah. How about that, Anthony? I just finished listening to the podcast where you read my email and never answered my question. <laughs> uh, so that's actually why we wanted to read this this email is for that uh, that line there. Now I feel like I'm part of the show. The question was actually on the succession qu- crisis, qu- crisis uh, which we're going to be getting to. <laughs> I don't know that we'll ever get to the crisis. Succession crisis. Uh, we will be getting to it. We will. We will eventually get to it. Uh, thank you for reading it and the lighthearted comedy. Yes, I will be signing up for the premium content. Whoa. That's the second reason that I'm reading this. Okay. Um, I will accept, by the way, if you want your email read, say you're going to, you don't actually have to sign up. <laughs> well, there's no way to sign check up it. and then immediately cancel. Yeah. There's no way to check it. Um, but, uh, so he says, I will accept the 15 yard penalty. It'll give me more room to maneuver. That's a great football reference. That is a great football reference. And you know what? If it was against the spread, <laughs> we, we would know about it. So the thing is, is that th- that flag that Garrett threw as I was reading the email was about the golden investigator that he taught on his mission that was from Wisconsin. Now, it wasn't in Wisconsin. No, Because that doesn't not. exist. It was no, in no. California. San Diego, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, yes. So that's the flag. I had my daughter proofread <laughs> that original email while reading. Uh, she asked if it was those podcast guys. I confirmed it was, and she asked, uh, and asked if she had listened to the podcast. She admitted she had. Not to play down Joseph's experience, but I marveled. 
all seriousness aside. <laughs> I marveled that she listened. I've been looking for someone that could teach church history with the same passion as Brother Madsen along with a sense of humor, and you guys fit that bill. You have helped strengthen my testimony. Uh, so from one of your listeners from Duchesne County, thank you and have a great July 24th. Uh, and Anthony, by the way, uh, I lived in, in Roosevelt for a year as a young lad uh, as my dad worked in the oil field. So there's an, a, so, an additional So your connection. dad was literally a Leduc roughneck. Leduc roughneck. Now that's a that's a callback to last week when I referenced um, going to Canadian Tire and wanting to purchase multiple jerseys for the Leduc roughneck um, hockey team um, that is there just south of Edmonton, uh, Leduc, Canada. Uh, beautiful this time of year, especially. Next email. Uh, Dear Dr. Dirk Mott and Professor Leduc, uh, I was introduced to your podcast by a friend in my branch. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months and I've almost listened to all of it. I love your work and plan to listen for as long as you're still producing free content. So th- so his listening ends this week. <laughs> <laughs> my wife even says I've become even I've become wiser and more insightful since I began listening to you. <laughs> that's that's one of the main uh, impacts that are bringing marriages Imagine if if you're wiser from the free content how, Imagine what you'd be for the premium. Content. How much more attractive would you look to your wife? I now it hasn't worked with our wives. No, no, certainly not. They don't seem to think we're any smarter or attractive. But, but, it, but they don't listen to the they don't listen to the podcast. They're as well. literally in the room right now while we're recording, sleeping. Maybe I will be able to talk to her into letting me pay for uh, content one day. Thank you for helping me uh, to not be an idiot in her <laughs> eyes all of the time. Uh, the emailer uh, goes on to reference a podcast that they listened to and say and said that the podcaster made claims that speaking in tongues was done in the early church. She wasn't referring to missionaries speaking in foreign languages, but speaking in tongues the way that Pentecostals and other similar Protestants do. She makes this claim by quoting many early members and leaders and referencing the Joseph, the Joseph Smith papers. She explained that even at the time of Joseph Smith warned that people warned the people that this could be dangerous and provided a way for Satan to deceive people. Did early members, including Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, really speak in tongues as she claims? If so, was this different from how Pentecostals do it now? I'm no expert, but it seems that how Pentecostals practice it, there is a temporary loss of control. This seems to contradict revelation by study and prayer. I'm just curious for your thoughts on this. And to verify the accuracy of this historical claim, I provided a link to the podcast so you can check it out. Unrelated to the question, but I have several close family members who are snufferites. They are weirdly secretive about the whole thing, and have not uh, become increasing and have become increasingly closed off to the world in recent years. Your comments to that movement have been very helpful in me understanding what they believe. Hopefully, when they decide to talk. I will be more knowledgeable and able to talk about the truth with them because of your efforts, a listener in Detroit. We have a listener in Detroit. Uh, that's what he says, he or she says. Uh, I don't know that there's any way to confirm that, but that's where they say they're from. I mean, how far away uh, is Rachel's mom from Detroit? Uh, say like an hour or so? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think they, something like they that. They flew to Detroit when they flew home. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so there you go. We're Rachel. letting everyone know where Rachel's mom lives. <laughs> uh, we'll the address sending, will be in the description of the episode. And we'll be posting her social security <laughs> number along with Rex's. Uh, We'll, we'll be posting those shortly so that everyone can go visit Rachel's mom when they go to Michigan. Yeah. And to Rex's Elders Quorum president, about eight minutes. No, it's going to be way longer than that. <laughs> oh, we're going to be silly before I, we start I, listening? I don't know. We're silly all the time. Um, this is a really good question, which is the reason why we threw aside whatever we <laughs> were going to Apostles and apostates, right. the succession crisis, everything. everything. Missouri, all of it. Plural marriage. We were going to talk about it, and then this came in. Today, we were like, you know what? Let's just do let's plural do it, marriage. Let's do it. All of it. Yeah, but we decided not to because of that. This is a great question because I think that you are you're reflecting exactly what a lot of members of the church today would think at, if they were told that, right? Someone's saying, you know, in the early church, people uh, spoke in tongues. How can we not speak in tongues? In fact, there's actually antagonists of the church today who will point this out. And they'll point out the fact that because we don't know about it, that that you know, shows that the church is hiding it from people. Da, 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 da. Now, of course, I, I'm guessing that most people are familiar with the Articles of Faith, right? I mean... Yes. I'm I'm familiar with them. Yeah, and I'm most familiar people, with that they exi- exist. Did you that, memorize them for primary? I, I sure did. Yeah. Did you memorize all of them? I I did. My bishop made me recite them when I went in for my uh, advancement interview to uh, to become an ironic uh, to become a deacon. So as an 11 year old, you had to memorize all of them. Well, no, this was back in the day. So you know, I was I was 12. So that gave me a whole another year. Well, right, but you had to. While you were 11. You yes, yes, it. while I was 11, yes. At any rate, one of the Articles of Faith s- says very clearly that we believe in the same gifts that exist in the primitive church. You want? Can you recite it from memory now? I would love to, um, absolutely. But that would make our listeners feel bad. Yeah, That would. they couldn't do it off the top of their head. But we believe in the literal gathering of Israel. And that in the restoration of the, and in the restoration of the 10 tribes, that Zion, the New Jerusalem. I kind of feel like this is the wrong one. Okay. No, when you've memorized so many of them, they're just they're. Yeah, I mean, I've memorized so many. Like I, I don't even I don't even remember how many of I'm them there are. I'm kind of questioning whether or not you should be a deacon. <laughs> um, uh, we believe in the gift of tongues, prophecy, revelation, visions, healing, interpretation of tongues, and so forth. Right, and of course, those are biblical gifts that are laid out uh, in the Bible, and so I think though the listener is thinking, well, I mean, look we believe in the gift of tongues and in the interpretation of tongues. But to me, that's, you know, a missionary, you know, got straight F's in high school, (laughs) you know, and then went on a mission to Iceland and within a week was speaking fluent Iceland. Well, my, my son who I love with all of my heart is going to Peru and his transcripts in Spanish do not bode well for him, but uh, I believe that he'll do great. Now, um, this this phenomena of speaking in tongues actually has a, you know, a religious studies term that's attached to it that you might hear sometimes. And so, just just so people know, they'll call it glossolalia. Glossolalia meaning uh, it means speaking in tongues. That's what it means. So, if you ever hear someone say, "Oh, is the gift of glossolalia in your church?" That's are you are you saying that you haven't ever heard? 
that. Is Not that, only have I never heard it, no one has ever heard there it. There are dozens of people listening right now to someone else's <laughs> podcast where they're talking about it who've heard about it. Okay. Glossolalia? Glossolalia. Okay. Sounds, it's yes, absolutely. Sounds fantastic. Okay. It sounds like some sort of um, incantation that would be, you know, said in some sort of Celtic ceremony. And Which maybe it could be. There you go. Glossolalia. There, there it is. But I think many people um, are really thinking when they think of the gift of tongues in the modern church, they think more of what you would say, xenolalia. Huh? Oh, that's far more common. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's because it's you know speaking, speaking the foreign, tongue of someone. Yeah, there you yeah, go. In a foreign tongue. Right. And and so I think that's how it's generally thought of. But let let's talk a little bit about this. Now we all know from earlier podcasts that clearly you've listened to listener in Detroit. If you've almost listened to all of them. Yes. Thank you. Maybe the premium content soon. <laughs> we hope. We well, can it, only it hope. only depends. It, it, once you get to the premium content, it all we talk about is tongues. One of the things. That, <laughs> One of the one of the things that we have found is when we read listeners' emails, then they at least claim that they're going to uh, subscribe yeah. to the premium. At content. this point, though, we're rapidly approaching the inflection point of where we've had more people tell us <laughs> that they've signed up than we've had people sign up. So this is they're signing up for something. I don't want to say that they're liars, but. Well, we already, we already know that Anthony stretches the truth when he said he had a golden investigator so out of Wisconsin. Anthony's already, he's already very difficult to believe. Oh, yeah, guy from Wisconsin totally wanted to get baptized. Lies, lies, and more lies. And what, what Do you have a bridge to sell me to, Anthony? Anyway, in the early church, so in the first years of the church, we don't get reference to any of the early members speaking in tongues at at first. Now, of course, they all read and know the Bible. So everyone's familiar with the day of Pentecost, which is where the Spirit's poured out and everyone hears, you know. Uh, and this was just mentioned in Come Follow Me a month ago. So, um, so we like to hit on Come Follow Me topics about a month after you've discussed them in well, what we want is for you to take that information, store it for four years, and four years from now, you're you're coming out guns blazing. Four years from now, someone's like, and what is the gifts of tongues? And you shout, Glossolalia! Glossolalia! And you and 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 you, and they think that you then are speaking in tongues. Exactly. So have your wife interpret for you. That means gifts of tongues. That means speaking in tongues. That's what that means. So in the early church uh, experiences in in Palmyra, Fayette, you don't get references to this. At the same time, remember, we talked about, on, again, on an early, early, early podcast, how there were early members of the church in Kirtland, right, after Parley Pratt and, and, and uh, Oliver Cowdery and others go on their mission, and on the way there, they stop to preach to Sidney Rigdon, right? Remember, there was a whole bunch of people who got baptized all at once, and then the missionaries left, and then when John Whitmer went in late 1830, early 1831, what he found was that everyone was crazy, right? At least according to one antagonist account, Eber Howe, who's the person who wrote Mormonism Unveiled, in his newspaper, as he reported on these crazy Mormons, 
he gives at least some type of indication that there's something going on. Now, maybe he's just wrong. He's, you know, he lies about other things. So, I mean, maybe this is what he says immediately after Mr. Rigdon and the four pretended prophets left Kirtland, you can tell he's not biased at all. The pretended prophets. A scene of wildest enthusiasm was exhibited chiefly, however, among the young people. They would fall as without strength and roll upon the floor, and so mad were they that even the females were seen in a cold winter day lying under the bare canopy of heaven with no couch or a pillow but the fleecy snow. Being acquainted uh, with my wife's aversion to cold temperatures, and perhaps yours as well. Yes, absolutely. I think that this is what struck him most. You don't get it, guys. Even these Mormon women are laying in snow saying that they're not cold. This is how we know it's work of the devil. And he doesn't say it's the devil because he doesn't really believe that much in God anyway. But he says, at other times, they would start and run several furlongs and then get up on stumps and preach to imagined congregations, baptize ghosts, etc. And at other times, they are taken with a fit of jabbering that that which they neither understand themselves nor anybody else. And they call this they call speaking foreign languages by divine inspiration. So you do get Eber Howe commenting that, at least among some of these early, overly enthusiastic followers, there is at least some claiming that they're speaking in tongues. Now, it's important to understand that this idea that these signs would follow those that believe that they that they'd be able to speak in an, in an unknown tongue is something that ha- is a recurring theme throughout christian history and especially in the wake of the protestant reformation now that doesn't mean that most people are doing it but it is something that is kind of a recurring sign of believers so maybe that's what's going on with these early believers in kirtland but we don't have now that doesn't seem like it's a terribly legitimate usage of it, right? That's not, you know, Eberhaus, you know, kind of being a jerk. But also at the same time, there does seem to be some things that are going on that Joseph doesn't approve of, right? Remember, he writes to Hiram when he gets to to Kirtland himself. He says, you know, we have been engaged in regulating the churches because the disciples here are numerous. And, and, and Satan's got a hold of some of them. And he says, it's been a serious job trying to regulate, you know, some of these false spiritual gifts. There, there's also a revelation that Joseph's going to receive in the midst of trying to regulate all of this, in which the Lord is going to spell out the many different, the many different gifts of the spirit. This is in Doctrine and Covenants section 46. So again, received there in uh, early 1841, 1831, not 41. Boy, if it was 41, maybe not as early, right? I'm going to leave that in because Richard accuses me of cutting out the mistakes that I make. Well, yeah, so I I mispronounce uh, words often and uh, we leave those in. Uh, Garrett uh, doesn't in the middle, but maybe he'll start off not knowing what his own name is. And we cut it out. And we cut that out. We cut that right out because I have editorial (laughs) control. (laughs) At any rate, uh, 
these gifts are listed as being gifts of the Spirit, and and one of them is this this gift uh, to speak in tongues. And again, it is given to some to speak in tongues, and to another is given the interpretation of tongues. So you have an early revelation that's declaring that the gift of tongues is in fact a is a true gift, and also another gift is the having the ability to interpret it. Again, though, I don't think that our listener is asking the question of, is the gift of tongues a real thing? It's that the way that he heard it described in, in this other uh, podcast was that it sounded more like the kind of speaking in a completely unknown tongue rather than you don't know Spanish, but you hear someone bear their testimony in Spanish and through the gift of the spirit, you know what it is that they're saying. Or what Rigdon's going to do on his mission for the next two years. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I have no idea, but maybe I'll figure it out. Um, so let's go back and examine some of the early sources. Now, again, there are lots of sources on this, so I'm not going to be able to examine all of them. Okay, that's that's not possible. Um, but uh, we at least have one indication that the first time Joseph Smith heard someone speak in an unknown tongue, and it wasn't, you know, crazy people sliding on the floor in Kirtland, but that it actually was from God, was uh, was from Brigham Young. November 1832. This is uh, from the history as it's compiled. It's actually an addenda to the history. About the 8th of November, I, so this is, you know, the writing in Joseph's first person, I received a visit from elders Joseph Young, Brigham Young, and Heber C. Kimball from Menden, Monroe County, New York. They spent four or five days at Kirtland, during which we had many interesting moments. At one of our interviews, Brother Brigham Young and John P. Green spoke in tongues which was the first time I had heard this gift among the brethren. Others also spoke, and I received the gift myself. So here, clearly Joseph and Brigham, well, they don't, they aren't, you know, they both speak English. I, I know that maybe, you know, there's a little bit of a dialect difference from someone born in Vermont than uh, someone in, in, you know, Connecticut but not really, right? Not enough that it would be like that. And in fact, the way that it's described is, you know, that Brigham Young goes goes to pray and he prays in this unknown tongue. And that Joseph will say that the language that Brigham Young prayed in was actually the pure language of Adam. It was the Adamic tongue. This is something that's going to come up over and over again for Joseph, where if you think about it right, before the tower, at least if you're thinking about it in terms of Adam and Eve and their posterity, everyone spoke the same language, or at least that's that's how we, we would look at it. And only after that was the language, where the languages changed. And so Joseph's going to receive multiple things that he's going to say are the pure language of Adam. Which, of course, would sound like gibberish to us because English isn't that pure language. The, the name Adam on Diamond, for instance, is apparently in this pure language. Um, and in fact, Joseph will receive 
multiple revelations that touch on this Adamic language, like Amon. This Amon is this word for God. In fact, there's one revelation Joseph receives very late in his life in which the the end of it, the Lord signs his name to the revelation as Amon Christ, right? Because he's God, but he's Jesus God, so that you you know uh, which part of the Godhead is speaking. That's probably a little bit further down the rabbit hole than listener in Detroit was hoping for. Right? No, I think that's exactly what the listener in Detroit Okay, was. well, let's keep going down the rabbit hole then. Um, this... This legitimate use of tongues that wasn't just to speak to people in foreign languages is manifested multiple times. Uh, in fact, in a letter that the, the church is going to, uh, Joseph's going to write to the church in Missouri, Joseph Smith is, is going to say this. As to the gift of tongues, all we can say is that in this place we have received it as the ancients did. Now, again, they see the restoration of all things is going to include this gift of tongues because the, the gift of tongues is something that was part of Jesus's church. And I think what he's making reference to there is, is actually the, the minutes of a meeting that took place um, in, a, in January of 1833. So this letter, is, this letter he's writing is in July of 1833. So in January of 1833, in these minutes, they discuss the fact that they received the gift of tongues. Conference opened with prayer by the president. And after prayer, the president spake in an unknown tongue. So here's Joseph speaking in an unknown tongue. He was followed by Brother Zebedee Coltrane and he by Brother William Smith. After this, the gift was poured out in a miraculous manner until all the elders obtained the gift together with several of the members of the church, both male and female. So it's men and women that are speaking in tongues. And again, in apparently this unknown tongue. Great and glorious were the divine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Praises were sung to God and the Lamb besides much speaking and praying all in tongues. The conference adjourned at a late hour in the night to meet the next morning at nine o'clock um, and closed by prayer uh, by the president. So the next morning, we met agreeable to adjournment. Conference opened with prayer by the president after much speaking and praying and singing, all done in tongues. We proceeded to washing the hands and feet and face in the name of the Lord as commanded by God. So here, this speaking in tongues is actually associated with, or at least adjacent to this very holy ordinance of the, the ceremonial and sacred washing of the feet. So again, this doesn't appear to be speaking in Spanish so that someone who's you know from Spain can understand. This appears to be an actual speaking in this unknown language and people there interpreting in that language, even praying in that language. That's probably the, the quotes that I'm guessing that were shared that maybe made our listener go, wait a minute. You will notice though, there doesn't seem to be any rolling around on the floor with this. 
there, there's no mention of, of any kind of confusion that's going on. There's no, and, and they slid across the floor while they were doing it. There's no gyrating while they were doing it. In fact, it, it appears to be a very calm speaking in tongues and a very calm interpretation of tongues. Uh, to your question of, you know, sometimes I, I hear people doing it and they're, they're, they're going in a different direction. Well, um, in another meeting, um, this is from Joseph's journal, held a meeting yesterday at 10 o'clock. After the meeting, two came forward and were baptized and confirmed them at the water's edge. Held a meeting last evening, ordained Brother Freeman uh, E.F. Nickerson to the office of elder. Had a good meeting. One of the sisters got the gift of tongues, which made the saints rejoice. May God increase the gifts among them for his son's sake. This morning we we bend our course for home. May the Lord prosper our journey. Amen. So again, that's in October of 1833. So 1833 is a time of, of real growth in the church, right? especially in Ohio, plus you're sending out missionaries to various places. More people are being converted. They're coming in. There's, there's even missionaries being sent to Michigan. Maybe. Maybe some, even Detroit. Well, I'm sure they passed through it. No, uh, no. Yeah, right. So your ancestral forebears, perhaps, I, I have no idea how long you've lived in Michigan. Maybe like, I just moved there last week. Well, <laughs> if you move from Quebec, then we would know. Um, the point being, there, there's a kind of a time period of this. You can see that it is something that appears to be taken as a sign that this really is the restoration of Christ's church, that it really is the restoration of all things. At the same time, there is concern that was expressed about it being used improperly. And those concerns are going to be, they're going to become more fast and furious as we go forward. Um, In another uh, conference, here we have the representation of the churches closed at 3 o'clock p.m. And the council then proceeded to give some general and particular instructions relative to the word of wisdom, the gift of tongues and interpretation, prophesying and proper use of all the spiritual gifts. So the very fact that they are in this 1835 meeting uh, of the Quorum of the Twelve talking about how we need to make sure that we use these gifts properly, the gifts of tongues, suggests what? It suggests that someone's not using it properly. And we, we can find that as we go further forward into the future. In uh, the Kirtland Temple dedication is where you're really going to find multiple instances of this. And of course, the saints actually refer to it like it is a day of Pentecost, the pouring out of the Spirit, angels appearing to people, people speaking in tongues, people seeing cloven tongues of fire, just like the day of Pentecost in, in Acts chapter 2. So we'll see some of these things here as well. Again, in this uh, meeting, uh, Joseph's, uh, the reference is Joseph says, I left the meeting in the charge of the twelve and retired about nine o'clock in the evening. The brethren continued exhorting, prophesying, and speaking in tongues until five o'clock in the morning. So they're, they're already meeting. Joseph's got to, he's got to tap out. He's been there all day, 14, 15 hours. 
It's 9 o'clock at night. The Quorum of the Twelve and others stay. And they're still there eight hours later. And what's going on? Prophesying, speaking in tongues, and it's all recorded as miraculous. And at the end of that, the Savior made his appearance to some, while angels ministered to others. And it was a Pentecost and endowment indeed, long to be remembered. That's about as good a source as you can get as that some speaking in tongues is endorsed in the early church. And, and you'll notice it's actually a part of these hugely miraculous events, like things surrounding the dedication of the Kirtland Temple. This is actually a meeting preceding it, but still, surrounding the completion of the temple, the Quorum of the Twelve, um, the, there are these powerful meetings, the appearance of Jesus, where these uh, speaking in tongues are are taking place. Now, as time goes on, Joseph is going to start, he's not going to reject the idea of speaking in tongues, because probably right now our listeners are wondering, now wait a minute, if they are speaking all the time, then maybe these antis are right. I mean, we're no longer that church, how come we don't speak in tongues now? Well, it's because unlike antis, we believe in prophets. And unlike other Christians, we believe in modern prophets. And so we believe in line upon line and precept upon precept. The very fact that we don't do exactly now what was done in the earliest days of the church is not evidence of literally anything. Because we believe God continues to give revelation through prophets. Those early experiences of speaking in tongues seem to be something of a sign to people who are wondering or to early believers that this really was Jesus' church. But by 1839, Joseph is going to give a series of instructions to people because he's a little worried that the gifts of tongues is being used falsely. Now, I can actually come up with a lot of examples of this. We don't have time nor do any of our listeners have the inclination to listen to all of the examples. I'm already listing off way too many, right? Well, those were, those were all helpful to understand where it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they were You'll fine. You'll cut them all out. Yeah, I will. In post. Um, every spirit, so this is uh, a teaching of Joseph Smith, a discourse. Every spirit and vision or singing is not of God. The devil is an orator. He is powerful. He took our Savior to the pinnacle of the temple and kept him in the wilderness for 40 days. The gift of discerning spirits will be given to the presiding elder. Pray for him, etc. Speak not in the gift of tongues without understanding it or without interpretation. The devil can speak in tongues. The adversary will come with his work. He can tempt all classes, can speak in English or in Dutch. Let no one speak in tongues unless he interpret, except by the consent of one who is placed to preside. Then he may discern or interpret or another may. So here, that's a pretty strict rule that's placed upon it, right? If the speaking in tongues is actually one that is from God, then it would only be done with the consent of the presiding elder of that meeting. 
So that's a, a pretty big caveat to it. Now, when Joseph endorsed it, when Brigham Young did it, obviously that's the presiding elder of the whole church endorsing it. But you can tell that there's a concern there, that people are speaking in tongues outside of that. In fact, there's a couple of cases in which cases will come before Joseph where people will say, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess brother so-and-so must be right because he started speaking in tongues and, and then said that, that that was what we were supposed to do. And Joseph kind of refutes that, saying, that's not how God is going to tell people what to do, right? You're not going to win church court cases by speaking in tongues and claiming that that's what God wants. So this is going to be made even more succinct in July of 1839. Well, late June, early July, we're not exactly sure where Willard Richards is going to write this down, that tongues were given for the purpose, again, Joseph is teaching this, tongues were given for the purpose of preaching among those whose language is not understood as on the day of Pentecost, etc. So if you wonder, why is it that the church focuses its attention on the gift of tongues primarily being for foreign languages? The answer is because the prophet Joseph Smith in 1839 said, tongues were given for the purpose of preaching among those whose language is not understood as on the day of Pentecost, where people are all from different languages and yet understood the speaker in their own language. So he goes on to give even more, uh, I guess, counsel on this. It is not necessary for tongues to be taught to the church particularly. For any man that has the Holy Ghost can speak the things of God in his own tongue, as well as to speak in another. For faith comes not by signs, but by hearing the word of God. So if, again, if you're wondering... Why is it that in the early church, it seems like there was all kinds of pouring out of the gift of tongues. And now we, you know, aside from some pretty incredible fast and testimony meetings where you probably have had someone get up and do that. We didn't have that, but we were recently at a fast and testimony meeting where we kind of wished it had been Richard and I were attending one where we're, we're pretty sure that the, the person bore their testimony that their mom had been reincarnated as a flower. That's right. And when I say pretty sure, that's literally what she said. That is what she said. And I, and I feel that it's possible that maybe I misinterpreted her English. Right. As so she was speaking. Maybe in, she was speaking in an unknown tongue. That's what I'm saying. Called false doctrine. That's, that's possible. You know, it's, it's, it, it is interesting. I have always wondered this. I remember as a missionary, this would come up uh, occasionally. Every time you met a Pentecostal, yeah, assemblies a of Pentecostal, God. assemblies of God, something like that, where this would come up and I would give the answer, well, you know, we believe that it's it's in this way. But if you're going to have a restoration of all things, you have it in the traditional New Testament sense. And then you have further light knowledge and transition. Wait, this, yeah, this, is, this is fascinating. And Joseph's going to continue to provide some clarity on this. Okay, so 
1841, December of 1841, Joseph giving a sermon is going to say, um, well, this, this is in third person because it's, it's minutes of his sermon. So he didn't, he didn't get up and say, President Joseph Smith said that. Although, you know what? I kind of want to think of Joseph yeah. only referring to himself in the third person. <laughs> Joseph wants to go there. Joseph likes that. Joseph thinks so. That's good. You think? You yeah, think that's good. I should start doing that. Have myself. we crossed the Rubicon of blasphemy yet? Uh, yes. Uh, that was season episode one, two. episode two. Yeah. Episode one was... Yeah, you bore your testimony. It was great. Yeah. I do have a testimony. <laughs> yeah, you bore it so everyone's season listening, one, episode one. I have a testimony, even though I do think it would be hilarious if, in fact, Joseph Smith did refer to himself in the third person all the time. Like that episode of Seinfeld where Jimmy's talking about... Uh, but they think Jimmy's shoes. another person. That's right. Yeah, because he's always saying that. Okay. President Joseph read the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians and a part of the 14th chapter and remarked that the gift of tongues was necessary in the church. So again, there are multiple times that Joseph teaches that there has to be a restitution of all things. So anything that was in the original church of Jesus had to be brought back. Joseph's going to teach this Probably another thing that Latter-day Saints aren't super aware of, but I think we've referenced before, maybe. I don't know what you're going to say. I, I I want you to know. Okay. I, I, I need you to just know what I'm about to say and then stop me if I'm going to say Wait, something. Wait, you wrong. say and I'll, I'll let you know if that's okay. what I was thinking. Joseph's going to teach that even the the law of sacrifice. Oh, that's exactly as as, what I was thinking. The law of I sacrifice. Know, sacrifice, the law of sacrifice of animals that, that – there will even be at least one more sacrifice that will be held um, at the temple or with the second coming of Jesus because there had to be a complete restoration of all things. And so he seems to be saying that a little bit here. Christ's church, when it was originally formed, had people speak in unknown tongues. So when Christ's church was restored to earth, it had to have people speak in unknown tongues. Right, so that not that everything's going to be exactly the same, but that there was this restitution of all things, and of course, it's one of the gifts listed of the gifts of the Spirit. But again, this caution is is even more pronounced here. That it, but that if Satan could not speak in tongues, he could not tempt a Dutchman. No, I always <laughs> think Dutch people are the ones that are. Well, you know why. Well, as a Dutchman, he speaks my language. Um, he could not tempt a Dutchman or any other nation. But the English, for he can tempt the Englishman, for he's tempted me, and I'm an Englishman. Joseph's making the point, look, just someone knowing another tongue is not proof that they are from God. Satan speaks in every language because he tempts all men in all of their own languages. But the gift of tongues by the power of the Holy Ghost in the church is for the benefit of the servants of God to preach to unbelievers as on the day of Pentecost, when the devout men of every nation shall assemble to hear of the things of God. Let the elders preach to them in their own mother tongue, whether it is German, French, Spanish, or Irish, or any other. Let those who interpret, who understand the language spoken in their mother tongue. And this is what the apostle meant in 1 Corinthians. So here, Joseph is even more saying, look, the primary point of the gift of tongues is for people to be able to understand the gospel 
spoken in their own language, not in, in an unknown tongue. Now, Joseph's not saying that, hey, you know how I endorsed the gift of tongues in the Adamic language before I was wrong. He's not saying that either. But he, I think he is saying at this point in the church, that's the primary way that it's supposed to be used, no longer as just a sign, because Joseph's trying to make the point, it's not a very good sign. Why? Because Satan also can speak any language. It's kind of like uh, in the New Testament, right? If all you have to do is say that you believe that you know Jesus, well, the devils also believe and tremble, right? I mean, knowing who Jesus is is not enough for salvation. If it was, all of the evil spirits would be saved because they know who Jesus is, right? It's not just about knowing who Jesus is. It's about living commandments and, and, and so forth. So I know I've, I'm kind of beating the dead horse at this point, right? No, this is this is great. It, it, it I know you have to say that. Yeah. I, I don't. I tell you when it's it's mostly terrible. This is this is good though. I, I I love the additional context that this provides as as we transition to where we currently are as yeah as a church. So when Joseph's teaching the Relief Society sisters again, remember because women were also speaking in tongues at times. We 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 just saw that at the uh, baptism. Right? Yep. Joseph's going to teach this. If any have a matter to reveal, let it be in your own tongue. Do not indulge too much in the gift of tongues, or the devil will take advantage of the innocent. So from the early days of the church, Joseph has been warning, right, that there's a the problem with the gift of tongues is how easily the devil can exploit it, right? So that's why you don't take anything as doctrine that someone says in the gift of tongues. You don't take it as doctrine because that, that's not how God's going to deliver doctrine. So he tells uh, the Relief Society sisters, you may speak in tongues for your comfort, but I lay this down for a rule that if anything is taught by the gift of tongues, it is not to be received for doctrine. That's that's pretty cut and dried, right? And again, the way that the gift of tongues in the Adamic language was being used anyway in the early church wasn't to declare doctrine, right? It was being used almost as this exuberant demonstration that the Spirit of God was present. That doesn't mean that what was said wasn't right. Obviously it was. Joseph Smith endorsed it. But there's a reason why we eventually move further away from now look there are and and someone's going to write into the podcast well you're wrong that we moved away from it because my great great grandfather who lived in Provo he was in a meeting and he's but I know that there are dozens and dozens and dozens of other accounts of people speaking in an unknown tongue that appear to be orthodox that are that are from god after this time period i'm not saying that there aren't any what i'm saying is how do we get to the i'm trying to answer the listener's question unlike all the other listeners questions that i don't attempt to answer at all like anthony's about the succession crisis we'll never talk about that first of all remember anthony lies (laughs) first of all anthony 
all this said is uh, is not in good fun. We mean every word we're saying. Yeah, of course. You baptize someone from Wisconsin. I, the scales have not fallen from my eyes yet. Thank you for your kind email. So I, I'm not saying that the, after this there weren't any gifts of tongues. There were. And sometimes even endorsed at the highest levels. But this is how you get from it happening as a fairly regular occurrence in these powerful spiritual expressions, like the Kirtland Temple dedication, to it being a much more muted aspect among believers. And part of the reason why it's muted is not because, oh, the church, you know, as an anti-Mormon would say, well, the church became corporate. And, you know, they piled up all that money and now do they speak in tongues? No, of course they don't. Or, or the prophet of the restoration said, hey, stop doing this as much because it's dangerous. And that was enough for people to say, oh, okay, let's stop doing it. Because the prophet of the restoration said the primary purpose of it is for people to speak to each other to share the gospel, not as a demonstration or a sign. Now, having said that, I've been I've been waiting all day to share this with you. I I so badly want to share this. So usually, what happens is we 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 joke a little bit about uh, production meetings, but we usually talk a little bit about what it is we want to do, and and oftentimes Garrett will give me the reference that he's going to to share and we kind of talk about it a little bit um but in this case uh, i'm going to be surprised and have never heard this before and i'm excited because uh, garrett seems pretty i almost excited told him it. before and and then and, and then it, richard was like no no wait i want to be surprised i want to be surprised yes so after joseph smith was murdered okay so joseph's gone brigham young who we know has spoken in tongues before I feel like now I've 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 given this such a drum roll that it's going to be disappointing at this point. Do you think? I don't know how it's not. I mean, at this point, I would be shocked if I'm excited about it after. Okay, because you have you've done a poor job of managing my expectations. Here. Yeah, I, I don't manage expectations well. Okay, August third, eighteen forty four. Now, there is a group of of Norwegians and uh, that are converted by early missionary efforts in Europe, and they will come and settle. Um, nearby in in Illinois, and Brigham Young will will go visit them and preach to them and things like that. So, so they actually, you know, they appoint a Norwegian to be the the branch president over them, and it, it's a great story. You can go read all about it somewhere else where they, they talk about early, you know, Norwegian and Danish members of the church. So Brigham Young uh, is. Uh, going to go visit them in August. Again, so August 3rd, 1844. We're, we're just a few you know, weeks removed from Joseph's murder. On August 3rd, the 12 continued their journey through the day and the night by stage. While upon their journey, they overtook a company of Norwegians who were traveling with ox teams. So this may not, these, these are likely not the members of the church who are Norwegians, but I just thought I'd throw that in. They were traveling with ox teams and heavy loaded wagons, one of which was stuck fast in the mud blocking the road. 
while several of them were whipping the oxen and bawling to them in Norwegian, uh, in the Norwegian language, which seemed to frighten the oxen. So that, well, I mean, as it would. The, well, the oxen I mean, obviously speak English. I, I need, I need, I need Mike. I need Mike to weigh in on this. Yes. Now, Mike, I know you don't listen to the podcast. No, he doesn't. His wife does. But Tammy does. So, Tammy, I need you now to go poke Mike and say, Mike, Mike, they're talking about you on the podcast that you never listen to because you hate it. <laughs> and them. Um, and, and he can maybe speak some Norwegian to you. Yeah. Do you think it would get an ox motivated? That's the question. That is right? the question. So... Probably a little bit of xenophobia here too by the person recording this. Like, yeah, the, the the Norwegians seem to frighten the animals. Well, first of all, unless they brought these oxen from Norway, I am guessing that the oxen haven't heard a whole lot of Norwegian before, right? So, I mean, let's give let's give the oxen a wide berth. Well, well. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know where the the oxen. We don't know where they studied. We don't know. Maybe I, I would hope the Spanish, oxen. Obviously, French. I the oxen went to Oxford. Oh my gosh! Wow. That. Oh my god! How many listeners did we just we need lose? Lose your game, so lose your game show sound to play. What? What? Well, yeah. Right. Okay. So, but they were unable to move the wagon. So they're frightening them. They're whipping them. They're beating them. It's still stuck. After sitting and looking at them a moment, President Brigham Young got out of the coach and stepped up and took the whip out of the hands of one of the Norwegians, telling them all. To stand out of the way. He then talked to the oxen in tongues, which was not understood by the Norwegians or the English who were present. And touching them lightly with the whip, they instantly pulled the wagon out of the mud and continued the journey, much to the astonishment of the Norwegians and to the surprise and amusement of the passengers on the stage. Tell me that's not the greatest gift of tongues story you've ever heard that's that's pretty good the oxen whisperer that's pretty good brigham young spoke an unknown tongue to oxen and they're like all right prophet of god says move we move now the question is did the oxen interpret that to the other oxen did they bellow and which oxen presided in that meeting i well anywhere the prophet is he's presiding exactly anywhere of course he's President of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles here in 1844 for anyone who's going to come at me with math. And it's not 1847 yet. Yes, it's not. So, uh, But still the leader of the church. Uh, so I thought that's that's, that's a great, great. It's a great way to demonstrate that there still is the gift of unknown tongues on display at times in the church. Now, I know, again, that that's not something that people have, have readily heard. Um because we do so much associate it with missionaries learning the gospel, people bearing testimony and understanding in a language that isn't really theirs. Those kinds of miracles happen all the time. I, you know, I don't know that this is quite as uh, good as the, as the oxen story with Brigham Young, but I mean, I, I felt like I had a similar experience on my mission as it relates to this. Uh, you I, got a horse out of the mud though. I did. I did. It was a Clydesdale though. Oh, so it was okay. a big horse. You know what? Um, so I uh, I served in Riverside, California, and uh, we had a, a good number of Spanish-speaking missionaries. We got received a member referral. You're not going to tell me that you baptized a bunch of people from Wisconsin, are you? Because I'll throw you right out of the studio. <laughs> no, no, I most certainly did not. Um, but uh, so it was, it was a Spanish family, so they wanted to be taught in in uh, in, in Spanish and. 
And so we went on on splits. I went was with the, the Spanish missionary. And so he was teaching, and I was just looking for scriptures that I knew were going to be coming up because I was completely useless in that discussion, much like most episodes of the podcast. And so I was, <laughs> it was just... It was preparation. <laughs> it was. It was. The Lord was preparing me to sit quietly as you, as you talk. Um, but so he was, uh, he was going through it and I was looking, you know, just for the scriptures so that I could hand it to them so they can read them. Right. Um, not knowing anything that was being said and it was, uh, it was very nice. It seemed like it was a good discussion. I have no idea what was going on, what was being said, but there was one particular point in the discussion when I was looking down, um, not paying much attention, much like the recording of the podcast. <laughs> and, uh, I was going to the Moroni, uh, you know, 10, three through five verses that were going to be coming up. And, and as I was looking down at my scriptures, I didn't, didn't see the missionary preaching or the family or any reaction. But as I was looking down to find that scripture, I felt just an overwhelming feeling from the spirit, kind of like a feeling of peace, comfort, kind of a tingle that went through my, my body. As I, lo- I look up and I see Elder Libert is pointing to the flip chart of the first vision experience. Mm. And I noticed, I picked up on a couple of words that he had said as he was sharing that first vision experience. And even though I had no idea the words that he was saying and not even paying attention to what it was, in the room it was a, it was a powerful manifestation of the spirit that was there as he was testifying of that first vision experience. And so for, for me, it became it became a very real thing that the Spirit was teaching me the truth of this thing, even though I didn't necessarily um, know all of the words that were being said. That's awesome. I mean, and I think we could have a lot of people give, you know, multiple of their own experiences where they felt the Spirit when the, even though the gospel was being preached in a different time or where they understood it when they when they couldn't. We all know stories of miraculous, rapid learning of languages that takes place among missionaries. And I think that that is the primary way that, that God pours this gift of tongue out upon the people. And and back to the point, I mean, it is, you know, stuck oxen aside, who need a little Adamic language to get them going. It is the primary use of it, it appears to be in the modern church to share the gospel with all the world, to help everyone understand what this restoration is, um, granting people this ability to both hear and understand sometimes miraculously in ways that they wouldn't. And I, and I, I love that story you told because I've also experienced things where in another language, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and, and as if I knew what was being said. And I think that's because the Spirit, like, you know, Satan might speak every language, so does the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks every language only without the forked tongue of the devil. And so when it, one of the reasons why I think the gift of tongues is so fascinating to us is because we really do want all of God's children to hear the beauty of this gospel. We really do want everyone, and and frankly, you know, I talk about it all the time on the podcast, it's one of the reasons why I love this gospel. I love the fact that every single person on earth is going to get a chance to hear the gospel preached to them. 
and they are not going to burn in hell for some arbitrary reason because I didn't learn, you know, Farsi quick enough or get access to Iran to preach to them. The, the reality is everybody is going to have this equal opportunity to hear the gospel and, and everyone will eventually hear it in their own language. And, and so it is great to be a Latter-day Saint. Being a Latter-day Saint means you really believe not only in miracles, uh, Christians believe in miracles, but you believe in a God who has created a plan whereby every single person is going to have an equal opportunity at exaltation. And that's amazing. And that's something we shouldn't lightly cast aside. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. We will try to not answer questions well next week. Yes, that's what we always promise to do. We promise to fail. And then we feel like we can live up to expectations. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Standard of Truth podcast, hosted by historian Dr. Garrett Dirkmott. If you know anybody that could benefit from the material in this episode, please share it with them. And for more resources, visit standardoftruth.com. Until next time.